Welcome to Millennial Pagan Podcast. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf. And Jara Stone. And today we actually have a special guest uh, guest with us today. We have Mariana Riley. Hello. 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 Thank you guys so, so much for having me. No, oh, thank, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. Uh, Mariana Riley is with the Riley Rainbow Family Circus and of the Earth, uh, a multi-award winning band and founder of the Community of the Earth. So multi, uh, multi-faceted fun, fun times, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So we met Mariana at Pagan Pride a few years ago. Actually, she was performing with the Riley Rainbow Family Circus right next to us. It was pretty awesome to see these little kids performing and having a blast while doing so. Um, and her beautiful family just entertaining pride. Um, but as you guys know, we're going to start off with the coming of which story. Yes. So you can start wherever you want to start on your line. You can put in as much or as little as you want. Okay. So, um, well, my coming of which story is pretty uh, long and fantastic. And oftentimes uh, when I'm telling my life story, because it's my life story, um, when I'm telling my life story, I always try to tell it from a perspective of, well, how did I become a midwife? How did I become, or a birth worker? How did I become uh, a musician? How did I become a dancer? How did I become? So when you guys were like, you're, how did you become a witch? That was really exciting. Cause um, I never really told my life story from the perspective exclusively of how did I get involved in this wonderful, wonderful uh, lifestyle. And uh, so I, I had to sit and go deep and pull out memories and and piece it together from that perspective. And it was fabulous. And it brought me to a lot of, um, a lot of emotions came up and a lot of really wonderful memories came up and it it was beautiful, but, uh, it all kind of started when I went to Catholic school and (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. right. So many of us shared, and so many of us shared so much of the same parts of each other's stories. But so I went to Catholic school and my Catholic school, interestingly enough, was connected to a convent. It was on the same property and, uh, but it was abandoned. Like the chapel was there and that was still used. And there was a gift shop in there, but the actual convent itself was, is empty. So I was that little kid and I have these memories too, where my mother would say that, uh, I would disappear and they would find me like, weeping or, or holding on to the feet of the big statue of Mary. And I remember that. I remember just wanting to be with that statue, just wanting to not be the statue, but just, I felt so connected. And I remember at every chance I'd be like, I have to go to the bathroom and I would run to the church and cause it was unlocked and I would let myself in. And it was almost like I was guided by voices and I went everywhere. I went everywhere, explored every inch and cranny I fell asleep in there. I would would run away every chance I got for like, if I was there for Bible study or I was there for like a baseball game or whatever, because the church was my family's like social Mm -hmm. mainframe. Mm -hmm. So we were there all the time and we lived very close to it too. So I could just like leave my house and go to the church. So this was going on for like the first, uh, I I don't know, the first, like I, I was there until I was in seventh grade. So all that time I was spent there and I would go to the convent. Those were probably my most favorite memorable moments is I would go there and I would lay on the floor because it was empty and there was cobwebs and I would lay on the floor and I would just listen and feel and every possible emotion that could come to a young person came through my entire body. So that was my first awakening into uh, that I was connected on a deeper, on a deep level to something that was otherworldly, I suppose. And um, I never once went into that space though where I thought that I was strange or I was different. Like I was really, I was spared that because I was on this journey and that, mm-hmm. that energy or, and those energies and entities that I was affected by 
in, in the Catholic church, then went on to being, I became the woman who would like, I would see the spirits in the houses. I would go to the slumber parties and the parents would be like, we need to exercise this child. And I was the one like calling him Bloody Mary. And I was the one reading decks of cards. And I was the one hypnotizing all the little girls. And yeah, I was and that just, one. Just jumped into it with both feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was totally just guided. And I remember the first time I was at a slumber party and the parents brought me into the other room because they were like wanting to get the demon out of me. And I remember so clearly what was that was like, because I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on until my friend was like, because they brought their daughter in too. And she was like looking at me like, my parents are afraid. Like you need to do this. But it wasn't odd or strange because they just want, they wanted to pray. They wanted to hold hands. They wanted to pray. He was praying in tongues. And I was like, okay, let's pray. Cause I loved to pray. I've always loved to pray. It was like, I still love to pray to this day. However, my prayers are more about like music and dance and, and the elements, but so they just wanted to pray. And then I, and I was just like, why are you afraid? Like, why are you afraid of me? You know, and they were threatening to call my parents and send me home if I didn't stop. And I don't remember anything like, bizarre happening like shadows jumping and bouncing off the rooms and beds lifting or shaking or anything like that mm -hmm. but they definitely felt like I was clear and I was safe to go back and join the party and uh I think it's because you know that wasn't the case I was eccentric and I was connected and tapped in and there was I was guided to bring us all to deeper connection and deeper healing through our communal connection with these young girls that I had. So, but anyway, I was that child. So being that child led to not feeling, um, not feeling entirely connected to my family because my family really didn't have so much to share. Like I, my mother came from a lineage of other women who felt like they were uh, witches and they were doing really great things in their life, but they were my aunties and they were all away. I didn't really have access to them. So uh, one thing led to another and I fell into like, I was a musician. So I was playing music with local musicians and they were all getting into like, I don't know even know what to say. Like everybody was getting kind of heavy and dark into like drugs and uh, anarchy and politics and like they were punk rock, right? I was hanging out with like local punk rockers. I don't know if you guys are local, but we used to go to like party gardens. And I was always like, me and my friends were the youngest ones there. We were always the mm. young ones. And we used to always tease everybody and be like, you're all a bunch of perverts <laughs> hanging out with young, <laughs> with the young girls. But because we were young and we were able to go and do, it was like a free license to go anywhere. We could go backstage. We could get on the tour bus. We could go anywhere. People wanted us around. So that exposed me to people who were getting involved in reading things that were just incredible to me. And then I, I realized there's more, there's more out there than what I'm exposed to here in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, one day I went home to my parents' house and now like fast forward, I, I was, well, I guess I should back up a little bit. <laughs> one day I ran away from home and I made it to, to Sedona. And when I was there, I landed with a group of people who were nudist Buddhists and rough Buddhists. So they like took me in and I got really sick because I was eating raw food with them. And I got really, really, really sick. And I was already sick because my parents didn't breastfeed me and I was vaccinated and I had to get allergy shots every week. And I had, my hair was thin and I had bad skin and it was just, it was rough. I had allergies to everything under the sun. I would walk outside, I'd get hives. I was sick child, mm. but I had adapted, right? I was, I had adapted so I could still go out and have this great life. But when I went to live with these people who were nudist, Buddhist and raw Buddhist and was eating raw, then I really, I got like, I couldn't fucking move. I was sick. And they were all like, well, maybe she's pregnant. I was like, that's impossible. I'm not having sex. I was really young and I didn't know what was wrong with me, but it was because my body didn't know how to receive the raw food. It was too much in my system. So I had to go home because I was like, fuck this. I can't, nobody could help me. Nobody knew. So I, I came back to Phoenix, got back involved with my friends. And one day when I, and this is probably the moment that my life really changed hardcore is, uh, I walked upstairs and there was this magazine on the floor that I'd never seen before. And it was a sassy magazine. So, so I think I'm in like, I'm in like, 
ninth grade now. So I was like 14, maybe 15. And there's a sassy magazine on the floor because my mom, I didn't know this then, she was trying to like connect with me. So she got me like this teen magazine and put it in my bedroom. So I go up there and I open it and there's this like picture of this really cute boy who I didn't know then was Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. And he was performing in Las Vegas. And I was like, my father was a gambler. So we would go to Vegas every year. I know this is a long story. It's a no, long no, this story. Is, this is perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we would go to Vegas every year. So I was very familiar with how to drive there, where to go once I got there, what the fuck was going on in Vegas. I was way plugged in because my parents would take me there every year, me and my I had a sister. And they would just drop us the fuck off at like fucking circus circus and they they go play and then I'd be there with like and I would just sit and watch the circus shows like that's like mm-hmm. that and then I afterwards they'd come off and I'd be like I want to hang out with the circus people so that's what I did when I was growing up but at any rate this guy who I didn't know who he was at the time who I'd actually already seen perform uh, here at a place called the Mason Jar but um it was Kurt Cobain and he was going to perform at this event in Vegas. And I was like, I'm gone. So it's like two o'clock in the morning and I just grabbed some essentials and split. I didn't tell my family I was leaving. I didn't go back for seven years. And when I went, it, it was more than I had ever could have fucking imagined you guys. So like, it was the hundredth monkey March against nuclear testing and the March oh, wow. for world peace where these people walked. Yeah. Right. These people walked around the world and they all met at the, at the energy power plant in Las Vegas where they had this like festival and then 80 miles away at the Mercury Nevada, the nuclear power plant, we were walking from the scent marching from the center of Vegas, 80 miles. So we did, I think we did 13 miles a day to the power plant where we did an organized action with people from all over the world to stop nuclear testing for the Shoshone native American people. So there I was, <laughs> this like 14 year old, year old runaway, surrounded in all of this going, what in the action? I just wanted to meet that guy, fall in love and become like a rock star's wife. Like what the fuck? Like that's really what I thought you guys, I, I was so tapped and so connected to the signs in my life that I knew that that was, that was my life right there. <laughs> so wow. I know. So I show up and first thing you have to do is Gandhi nonviolent action training. You have to do that in order to march. You have to get into an affinity group. So you have to find your affinity group of people. And like I said, you're marching 13 miles a day. You're sleeping out in the desert. And this is a very sick, sick, sick desert. So the animals are twisted and mutilated and the butterflies are mutilated and the earth is poisoned. And I'm out there with people who are like riding their bikes naked. I'm out there with like, like everybody from all over the world and all of their beauty and their art. And uh, Kurt Cobain was performing at that. So um, <clears throat> I never got to meet Kurt, by the way. And um, <laughs> But I got to meet other amazing people. But Starhawk was there. So Starhawk, oh, she was... Uh, <laughs> the bing moment. <laughs> yep. She was there with all of her, with, all, with her with her coven and the work that she was doing. Because you know, as we all know, she's incredibly politically active. And this was like a huge political movement that happened every it, it had happened every year for 20 years. So uh, she was doing sister circles and, and the full moon gathering and all of that. So I got, so I was witnessing, bearing witness to all of that. And I met, uh, I could just continually drop names about all the people I met, but I also had to get my permit to cross the state line into the test site. So the Shoshone people gave us all permits to cross the line. And then from there you would get arrested and, put on buses and taken to prison. And then we'd get out and we'd go right back and we get, and then we'd go into Vegas. Reagan was visiting Vegas for some reason. We'd all show up there and it was just an amazing, and I I was just, how do I say? I just like my body came into my spirit came into my body fully at this experience. And I was, I was off. Like I I was completely committed to uh, the goddess and her work and uh, and I was I was dedicated to political activism. I was dedicated to uh, not so much smashing the patriarchy, but definitely like showing up to shift things, you know, to flip things back. And I immediately was downloaded because there 
they held no space for any type of naivety or ignorance. And you got, you got like downloaded immediately and your codes were unlocked. And if they, they even sensed that you were like a danger to yourself or the movement, you were immediately educated and held as like a comrade. And so it was like this massive, it was like witch school times 5,000 the whole time I was out there. <laughs> 101 to initiation, bam. Yeah, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was just being initiated. But through that initiation, I was so received because I was a dancer and I was a singer. And so much of, of that life is the songs mm -hmm. and the physical expression and connection to the elements in the earth. So because I had that in my background, I was able to, and I was young. So youth is really celebrated too, right? The maiden is so celebrated and so necessary to like raise the energy and get everybody juicy. So I was just like put in this position where it was like, oh, it's time to do this. Well, bring Mariana, Mariana sing and dance and do. And of course I was just like, all right, yay. Like, I love this. So, uh, and then after that was all over, I went back to Phoenix to tell my friends to be like, we're gone. Like we're going, like, you've got to come with me now. We've got to leave Phoenix. Like forget the bands, forget all of this. Like forget these dreams. Like we've got to go. And my friends, I had changed so much, you guys, that my friends completely rejected me. They were like, Oh, you think you're better than us? Cause everything had changed. My opinion about everything had changed. Like I stopped eating meat. I stopped. I became energy uh, aware of energy conservation I became aware of pollutants and poisons in the water and the earth and the food and I just I started growing dreadlocks in my hair like I just was so different and when I walked in it was just way too much for my friends so they rejected me absolutely and they were like what the fuck you think you're better than us like fuck off like the fuck are you even talking about and so I was like wow I have no, I felt like Luke Skywalker, you know, like, or, like, every, like I had no reason to stay whatsoever. Everything that mm -hmm. I cared about and loved was like dead now, or I was dead. It was just bizarre. So then this amazing thing happened where I got in a car accident and it wasn't my fault. And, uh, they gave me money because of the car accident. And so with that money, I fucking bought a van which is the only advice I really feel qualified to give is <laughs> buy a van, get the, get a van and get as far away from your unsupported parents as you possibly can. Just <laughs> go to trust and get away. So that's what I did. I got, I got in my van and I split and I went. So where everybody was headed was the rainbow family of living light, which is why we're called the Riley rainbow family circus or the Riley rainbow family temple of living. And when I went there to be with the rainbow people, which is also just for those of you that may not know, it's affiliated with a, um, it's from a prophecy, a Native American prophecy that speaks to people who will come and they'll make the earth green again. You know, they'll make, and this is the time of that prophecy. We're in the stages of that prophecy. So uh, these people like travel all over the world and they have what they call national gatherings and regional gatherings. And it's, and it's all for world peace. And on the 4th of July, we come together in a circle that's so huge in these national forests that you can't even see the other side. And we, wow. we take a vow of silence and we, we meditate and pray together for world peace, you know, to maintain that balance and to really bring that in. And it's, it's an amazing, incredible thing. But I, want to, I would like to say, as it gains in popularity, the rainbow gathering reflects where you're at in your own journey within your own shadow and your own life. And if you can get beyond, you know, so on the outside fringes, you have things like alcoholism and drug addiction, you have all that stuff. But as you go deeper into the circle, you know, you get to meet these people who are just, they're magical. Like the first person I met was a man, a healer named water. And I was sick. Because this all coincides with the journey of my own self-healing, you guys, right? Because I was mm -hmm. fucking sick. So I'm having, I'm out there doing all this stuff, but in my own personal world, I'm like, my body is just struggling in so many ways. So this guy was like, this guy was like, bigger to me. And he fed me bark. <laughs> and he, like, I, he made me, he's like, you'll get healthy enough so you can come out and study and learn and mm -hmm. to heal your body. And I did. And then when I was hanging out with the healers, there was this little old man and he was drinking from this like stagnant pond before me from a stagnant pond. And I was like, what the fuck, dude, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get sick. And he was like, Psh. 
if your vibrations are high enough, you know, you can do anything. Like nothing can touch you. And I believed this stuff because I was young. I believed mm -hmm. this stuff. So I was like right there, like learning mm -hmm. and practicing and eating and living and, you know, saying no and saying yes to, to everything that these people had to offer me. And sure enough, like I got so like vibrationally high that I was like walking around barefoot, drinking from rivers and, and, and I was fine and I was healing and I was recovering. It was amazing. This is an amazing time. So when huge, huge transformational journey, it was huge, you guys. Yeah. And it's never stopped. It's never stopped. And I know it doesn't sound like it's my coming to which story, but it really mm -hmm. is because I completely put my faith into the elements and into the God and goddess. And I surrendered and was just like, do your work through me. And the first thing that happened to me was, or I should say the next thing was, there was this young person who was like, they had snot running out of their face and they had like lice crawling through their threadlocks and they were covered in staff and they were shunned. They had no hope and they were hungry and they caught me. They were like, please, I need food. And I was like, go, go to the kitchen, get some food. And they were like, I can't, I'm, you know, I'm infectious. I can't go in there. Nobody. Sure, so I was like, well, come with me. I'll, I won't get you food because the hike was long, but I'll take you to it. And sure enough, as I was walking with this person, everybody was like, they were cruel. They were fucking crying. I was like, you're going to throw rocks at us? What's going on here? And then I, and then that person told me about these other people who were just as sick and just as shunned. And so I was like, what the fuck? So I did. I brought everybody food. And then I realized, I didn't realize anything. Actually, it was just, I just started taking care of these people. I just started taking care of these people and learning about communicable diseases and started creating a space where you guys could come and we would pray and we would sing and we would do the songs and play the drums. And I would go into these towns and get like Taco Bell hot sauce to coat their heads and, you know, whatever I could do. Cause I had no money, you know, we're, we're all out there poor. And then I realized that just by being in that level of servitude, people saw, like all of a sudden that people knew who I was, you know, they might not have known my mm. name and they might not have been funding me totally, but they knew who I was and they were sending me supplies and I started getting support. And it's really interesting. Like it just. Just the, the way that it blows up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just blew yeah. up. And all of a sudden I had some sort of a, a reputation. All of a sudden I had some sort of a, of a purpose and a meaning. I had a base within a culture that you know I, I guess I'm just at a lack of words it was it was humbling to be in that kind of service for as long as I was um and working with those people and I learned a lot and that's when I realized uh definitely that healer runs mm -hmm. the blood of the healer runs through these things and then oh go ahead sorry I was just going to say, would you say that that experience kind of shapes what you're doing with your community now? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so then what happened, you know, is after that, I, I, I witnessed my first birth in the Grateful Dead parking lot. And the circumstances... I I'm guess, sorry, in a what parking lot? The parking lot of a Grateful Dead show. So Okay. I thought I heard that. I needed to clarify. I was like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> back then, back then, Grateful Dead and the Rainbow family were like hand in hand in hand. So mm -hmm. you, you, you went back and forth and I was at a Grateful Dead show and the circumstances as all of this, it's, it's so hard to speak to these things, you know, because they're all like these amazing synchronicities that have been designed so that the God or goddess or end goddess can do their work through you. You know, that's how I, mm -hmm. that's yeah. just how I felt my whole life. And um, so uh, the circumstances were one where this, this, this hippie family could get no help whatsoever. Like the, they could get no help because the phones were broken down. The place was locked up and the, the guy didn't speak very good English. And he was like, had, you know, they had the little thing where you put your stuff in the money inside and he ran to get you the food. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. And it was before cell phones. That's another thing, you guys, all this was before cell phones and cameras and video and stuff. So I don't really have a lot of it. Back in the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the dark ages where we were still free to like yeah. pray to the pray to gods and goddesses, but without that interference of that new whatever that is, which is what I'm trying so desperately to get in touch with now. And I'm so grateful to you guys for inviting me on the show because these are all steps towards getting to come into this 
world. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that's that's the big thing, especially with with what I personally have seen you guys do. You know, it's both both with the band and with the family circus. It's such a. I don't want to say a primitive art form, but it has that has that root in not needing a cell phone in your hand, not needing not needing any of this stuff. It's just being you, being yourself, and just letting uh, letting nature take over and letting letting the god and goddess just kind of flow through and show through some some fun times. Just being there and being present in the moment, which is something that a lot of people have kind of lost over the past 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 decade yeah. or past two decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is very timely for me. I was just watching in an episode of a show I've been binging and they had a native American, um, character who was going on a spirit journey. And during the scene in which that he is calling spirit to him. And so it's a fire. He's got rattles in his hands and all he's using is the rattles in his voice and the connection to earth. And I got chills at that scene. And I'm like, I, I don't think anybody, unless they are already of our persuasion of earth-centered uh, spirituality, can really get that just by watching it on a TV screen, understanding how absolutely important that is to everybody and how disconnected humanity has become from that. And I think that's um, that's the... The real illness in humanity. I mean, obviously, we have coronavirus. I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think that's happening and um, making everybody sick because they're losing that connection. And maybe right now, a lot of people are talking about gaining that back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Everything that you said. And I, now I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, so all of that has led us to the work we, we're doing now. I, I'm like, do I go back and continue talking about the, the wonderful story? Do I jump forward? You know, I, well, let's talk about right now and give our listeners an understanding of what you're working on right now so they know what we're about to talk about. So what happened, so my whole life has led to when I was finally done with my training and my studying and I was ready to be like a full-blown birth worker and a death worker and um, uh, standing in my, my power as a healer, I guess, um, which of course healers heal thyself. So it was really a journey of me healing myself. And now I'm able to go really deep with everybody who suffers from the same things mm -hmm. I was suffering from, because what I was suffering from was, you know, the effect of being raised as a GMO child that was fully vaccinated. And, you know, it changes the way your body receives food. It changes your DNA structure and the way your body reads food. So I can eat, I could eat like uh, poisoned fake food and my body would know what to do with it. It wouldn't nourish or sustain, but I knew what to do with it. And then I could eat healthy food and my body would freak the fuck out and be like, what am I supposed to do with this? Where do I put it? How does it work? And mm. it would attack it, leading to an allergenic nightmare of just sickness um, and disease. So uh, now I, I've, I've fast forwarding, skipping a lot of really great stories and into, I was ready to be like, where do I want to go to serve? Where do I want to go to serve? So I did some research about the United States and um, I realized that the South is probably where I want to be because I wanted to be someplace <laughs> where everybody was where I felt like my work could serve. And uh, I went to the South. It was scary as shit. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. I will. I tried uh, Arkansas, New Orleans, uh, Mississippi. I, you know, I bounced around looking and exploring mm -hmm. and it was terrifying and awful. And it, there, you know, I had dreadlocks in my hair. So people just hated and it was terrifying. And, uh, when I tapped into the witch world, it was heavy. It was mm -hmm. heavy and it was working. And, it, you know, I just felt like the earth wanted to consume me while I was there. So I was out. Boom. And I thought, um, maybe Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix is probably. <laughs> and back then, I think we, we, we were um, women. I think, we're, I think we still had a female governor then. And it, it just seemed like it was politically and socially, it was just the right place for me to land. So I came here. 
I had a similar conversation with somebody recently. I'm from Georgia, um, which our listeners already know. And uh, what you're talking about, about being it being heavy and scary and in some pl- in places dangerous for us, it's very true. Um, and then somebody just posted that they have to move down into the valley for uh, work purposes. But where they are finding homes at the price that they want, they're, it's more of north where um, a lot more retirement community is and they know how that attitude is. And so they were asking for a little bit more information. I was like, well, if you come down to Tempe or Mesa or Chandler, there's a lot more of us in general Mm -hmm. and openness and just that, that ability to be able to connect and be in a healthier environment. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't looking for like, like I landed in Wisconsin with Selena Fox for a while. Ooh. And that was amazing. And I landed in <laughs> New York with the ACE Association for Consciousness Exploration in Starwood. And I landed at the Purple Lotus in Medina, Ohio, and at Wisteria. So I managed to get to where I was deeply and heavily. And of course, the Rainbow Tribe. I was heavily surrounded by uh, tribe. But it wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted to be somewhere where I was like working. I just wanted to Mm -hmm. work, always working, working on myself, working with others. Healers heal thyself through the work we do with others. And so I landed in Phoenix. And then um, I was here and I went to a place called the Baseline Mansion, which back in its day. Yeah. I know it. I know it. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's this amazing. It was this amazing spot. Right. It was connected to this place called Christmas Star, which is now Wind Spirit. So I was surrounded by the people who started like the farm and the Desert Marigold Water School or the Gentle Strength Cooperative. Like all the, the, the farm. Yeah. At South Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So okay. all the people who were like back then, they were just activists because of the way they lived. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't like out to serve a certain mission or change anything. They were just fucking incredible people living naturally and with the earth and, um, you're being really authentic and present. So, uh, and that's where I landed. And I ended up becoming like part of the um, entertainment planners and directors of that, of that place for, uh, I think I was there nine years working, working with them and uh, trying to bring that whole music festival. It, it was this amazing place where we would throw these festivals all the time, the Earth Mother Mind Jam, which was done by Rollo, who was in a band called uh, the Fake McCoys. And uh, so it was heavily tied into the to the alternative culture of, of Phoenix. And um, I got to be a part of that. And of course, I was one of the youngest people there. So um, I got to learn from amazing uh, everything, permaculturalists, horticulturalists, vegans, people who were raising food to eat, raising their own fish and their own, their own chickens, farming. And that's when I realized I was like, wow, my whole existence is a political statement because I think the most, some of the most political acts we can do in the world today is farm, birth your babies at home, die at home, and, and voting, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And that's what all this, 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 what all that was you know so i was a part of that and then um from that i uh i met my husband from from that i met my husband which is a whole other story that takes a long time to tell full of wonderful and amazing and incredible synchronicities and um and when we met having children was the next logical step towards our own spiritual journeys. So we started having children and then we realized that's when we realized that the imbalance in this world, like what you were talking about autumn when you were like the sickness is stepping away from our spiritual natures. As far as we have, that's when we realized how much it starts in utero and in pregnancy, mm-hmm. like people in this, our culture have no idea how to support women during their pregnancy and they have no idea how to support that the spiritual nature of conception and pregnancy at all and yeah yeah, which is why we made our birth video that i sent you guys the link to which is why we made that because we wanted to show to people there's alternatives in birth birth is Mm -hmm. an amazing healing experience for not just the parents the people but for the entire community because all of a sudden you know how we have these portal shifts like we just went through the lion's gate portal and like Mm -hmm. birth is a portal that brings everybody in and it's not it's as as much as it is connected to the, the the stars and what's going on in the cosmos and astrology that portal 
it opens and everyone within, you know, 50 miles in all directions feel that energy and it's powerful. And it really is, it's a community thing. It's a total community thing, energetically, especially if everybody is aware that there's a birthing woman, you know, (laughs) within 50 miles, you can really tap in just the way we tap into these portals that open astrologically with the new moons and the full moons and so on and so forth. Birth is another like astrological event that's taking place like in, in this time, in this, in this realm. Yeah. It's powerful. So we really wanted to share that and be like, Hey, everybody check this out, check out the healing that's possible because all of a sudden everybody who has any kind of trauma whatsoever, it comes through when you're in the presence of a birthing woman and you're crying because yeah, it's a beautiful thing, but you're crying because you're right back in that trauma and you might not even be aware of it. And that birthing mama just, just takes it all. It's really powerful. And I could do a whole show just on that really. Um, so we made that birth video and that's when we realized to, to for what you were saying is that, you know, that people just aren't present. There's this level mm-hmm. of presence that's missing. Even when you're with people who are like, we're all about the present. No, no maybe not. You know, uh, there's always some sort of bizarre gaslighting or bypassing that you could be experienced. But uh, when you're dealing with this stuff, like, nope, it makes you present. There's no way to not become present for everybody oh, yeah. there. Yeah. 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 So I think uh, what we're going to do right now, we're going to go ahead and take a, a short break. Uh, kind of get get some water, get a little bit a uh, little bit re-energized. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit more about uh, about what you do with the with the circus, what you do with the band, and uh, just so just so you guys know, we do have a couple of links uh, for uh, for those of uh, those of you that are watching us on YouTube. Uh, of course, we got some links uh, directed to uh, to uh, Mariana's uh, YouTube page as well with all these videos that that she's talking about, and uh, of course for those of you that are listening. Uh, make sure you check the description. You guys will be able to get linked up to these videos as well and take a look and see what uh, what she's talking about. And so we'll be right back. Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. Listeners like you can gain great benefits from your favorite show, such as... At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank you card in the mail with a Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. And welcome back to Millennial Pagan Podcast with Mariana. And we are going to start talking a little bit about um, what she's got going on in her life right now. Um, obviously, you guys heard her coming a witch story and how multifaceted and interesting and amazing it is. Well, she's got that much amazing, awesome, multifaceted stuff going on. And we are also going to dive a little bit into Mariana has been homeschooling for a quite long time. And I know a lot of our parent listeners are really thinking about how do I do that now. Well, since she's been doing it for a while, she knows how um, things kind of worked back then. Remember, we have a lot more resources today. So maybe contacting your public school networks to see what's going on today. But it, um, we're just going to jump in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, I, think, I think one of the biggest questions is, uh, especially right now, with 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 everything that's going on a lot of people have kind of been looking for looking for resources and things like that what is something that you've used even before all this kind of kind of started taking place to kind of look into homeschooling for uh for your family uh homeschooling was definitely a uh journey um because (laughs) we want to uh, um, the beauty of homeschooling is that you get to really pick and choose your curriculum and your, your pedagogy and, and the, the, the style that you're going to, um, work with to teach your children. And, uh, we, we definitely wanted one that was earth-based. Absolutely. And when we started homeschooling, trying to find something that was really focused on the truth and earth-based, um, content was uh almost impossible so we essentially uh had 
created our own. We essentially created our own. And, but I think the first step that made it possible for me to be able to do that was, um, looking at unschooling and unschooling practices, because if you try to recreate what you perceive or what you went through when you were in school, um, it's, it's very, it, it can be very complicated and almost stress inducing, or I, I should say completely stress inducing. We meet parents who are just in tears because they don't know how to take their first steps towards homeschooling. So we try, we share with them that the first step is really to uh, do a little research on unschooling because you're not trying to recreate the school as we've known it or how, how it's known most popularly uh, in your home. That's not it at all. It's about turning living and life into school, turning living and life into the practical applications of the styles of thinking that we're sharing with our young people. Mm -hmm. And then of course, applying the basics, the basics are the basics and those can be applied how whatever works best for the family um, structure. But it's all the other stuff that makes school absolutely fantastic, And you can put your spin on it very easily if you can just wrap your brain around stepping away from that school structure and making life your home, the mm -hmm. school. <laughs> so it's, it's like anything else in, in, it's like anything else in pagan, our new pagan culture. Like it's, all, we have to flip it, you know, flip the script and make it all about the life we're living and not about something we're like reading about that's over here, you know, like, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yes. so, so would you say having, having the family circus kind of, kind of helps out with this, with the schooling? Yeah. The family circus is like, helps out with everything because we, we take the circus arts. What we've realized is that the circus arts, you know, back in its original, back in when the circus started, it was a way for families, right? I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but circus started because these, these roaming families did not want to separate. They didn't want to go to work and leave their children. They wanted to stay together as a family. And that's why circus is multi-generational. And you meet people, they're like, I'm ninth generation circuses. That's how they discovered that they could create a culture that they could thrive in and a, and a, and a way to um, generate income, you know, that supports the family culture and, and stay in there. And the, the circus tent is then literally the living room and all mm -hmm. the families like live in their trailers or <clears throat> their vehicles, their RVs, I mean, around the living room and everybody homeschools. So circus, like uh, the time that we spent with a seventh generation Italian family circus really helped me to deeply inner under and overstand how to, it's a family, it's a core family value, um, <clears throat> teaching our children at home and creating life with your kids, not around your kids or for your kids, but with your kids. So I feel very blessed to be able to um, have created and now have clear steps that other families can follow. If you, if we can reach, connect with people soon enough in their journey towards parenting, we can share these steps with them in hopes that everyone can, can experience this like living at home and having your business and your life around your family structure so that no one has to leave and miss out on anything. So that's what the circus has brought us. The circus has brought us a way to um, have that in our life mm -hmm. and express that and share that with others. What would you say is the most important thing that people need to understand about unschooling before they start trying to plan a curriculum? That... Okay, that um, making a meal <laughs> together is mm -hmm. home ec. Mm -hmm. Or um, doing the laundry together is home ec. Or um, what else? I'm trying to think about in the beginning, what were those things that really made my brain blow and go like, wow, mm -hmm. this is school. But just about um, how getting up in the morning at a certain time and making your bed and going to take your shot, like how all these things like play into, uh, uh, I think the most important thing, I, I kind of at a loss for words because it, it, I can't exactly remember how, how it hit me, but it was just that everything that you do with your kids can be reverted back to an aspect of formal school. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it's pretty much life as a teaching moment. 
Yeah, and everything. So you want to learn about the Old West, take a day trip to Tombstone. You know, take a, you want to learn about history, take a take a take a take a trip to somewhere, especially here in Arizona, we have so much history around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that was really, really helpful. It took the stress off. It was like, oh, I don't have to do write a bunch of books and I write a bunch of papers and read a bunch of books, yeah. yeah. And that vacation could be school. Yeah, that's a big one too. Vacation <laughs> is school. And that's when you get to the world schoolers, which is what we are now. So what we are is we're a hub for world schoolers from all over the world to come and and stay here and plug in so that they can experience all the history that Arizona has to offer. And, and there's other places like that all across the world where home world schooling families can just be like, oh, I want to go learn about Germany. So then you just go on the internet, connect with a homeschooling family there, and you switch, whoop, plan it out. So yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. So now I, I know with uh, a lot of people, especially especially in this day and age, there's children from many different age groups that you you'd be teaching. Mm-hmm. So, like, so from from your experience, what what what's the age gap in your children? Uh, I have <laughs> I have a sixteen year old, a fourteen year old, a twelve year old, and a seven year old, and a four year old. Woo! Wow. <laughs> so 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 you definitely definitely kind of run the gambit there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's some things that you you kind of notice like teaching. Uh, teaching somebody who's younger versus teaching somebody who's already in their teens. It's just awesome. So, okay. Uh, what are some of the things? So the, the older kids definitely help the younger kids. And that's really, really great. Like uh, uh, to have that ability, but I, I have to separate it out. You know, like while, while these, while the older kids are working on their projects, then I get to be hands-on with the little kids, while the little kids are having their breaks, then I get to be hands-on with the bigger kids. But what we have is like a, it's a cooperative. So here at the Riley Rainbow Family Temple of Living, we call it, here mm-hmm. people can bring their children where we're teaching, because my husband and I are artists and musicians. We teach art, we teach music, we teach chorus, we teach garage band, and <laughs> yeah, and, and so parents can and circus arts. We teach all that right here, and we have everything to do it. It's, it's like a it's a it's a studio here, and um, people bring their children, and some people stay and they enjoy other things that we have while we work with their kids, and some people drop them off, and we have them all broken down by age group. And then there's other people within our cooperative or within our community. We're called of the earth. It's a annual, it's an annual membership. And, uh, then they, there, we have a family and that the father is a mathematician. So we all bring our kids over to their house where he then teaches and has them broken down into his age groups that he works with. So that's how we've, uh, cultivated and manifested this homeschooling world. And right now it's getting like so crazy because of COVID and what's happening. Lots of people are pulling their children out and looking for alternatives. So, Mm -hmm. and everything that we do, of course, is based on our earth-based, our Mm earth-based belief system. So it's really fucking fantastic. It's wonderful. I kind of say, I kind of have to say like one one thing that really blows my mind. And this is kind of a, a misconception that I had about homeschooling for the longest time was one parent teaches everything. Mm. So I, I know that 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 that's when I when I found out about it, kind of digging a little digging a little bit deeper, kind of like what what you're what you're talking about is no, not one parent doesn't have to teach every single subject. It's a communal thing, which is which is something that's that's really big, and I think a lot of parents nowadays still have that that misconception of well, I I don't know anything about about chemistry. How am I supposed to teach that? Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something too, like, it's like anything where like you have to, it's beneficial to find your tribe. It's mm-hmm. beneficial to get out there and join every homeschool group. Cause there's homeschool groups where people aren't letting their kids learn to read and write until they're four. There's homeschool groups that are completely Christian based. They don't ever want any science and books, it's all censored. You know what I mean? There's just, there's so many of them out there. So you really have to find, and the, you just have to find the one that works for you. And so, because we're earth based, we're we're all about community, all about sharing, all about the earth. So 
that's what we have to offer people. And then, like you said, Jara, like when, when families come in, we immediately ask them, what are your skills? What are your passions? What do you, Mm -hmm. what can you share and bring to the group? Mm-hmm. And then, and then we just, yeah. you know, embrace and bring in and be like, okay, let's do this and, and help each other along the way. Right. Yeah. So, um, how are you working on, or I guess I should say, what kind of rights do you guys have as far as what do you, your children not have to do as far as like testing or such um how do you keep the, the, the essentially the the legal system out of it i don't know uh, i guess i'm trying to ask two questions so let me start with what kind of tests are they required to complete every year and how have you gotten to um give them the resources to achieve those tests. That's actually like a a multi, like mm, there's a lot of different approaches a family could take to what you're saying. So Mm -hmm. what we have done, what's worked for my family is we actually kind of have jumped in and out of school based on there's a school nearby called the, uh, or there's a, there's a system of schooling called Waldorf school. Yeah, there's like Montessori and then there's public and there's charter. So in the Waldorf, we have a really wonderful charter Waldorf school here in town. And um, I have dropped my kids in there two, three, three times now. Three, three times now I've dropped them in there uh, for, for various reasons. But what, what happened when I was in there is you, they get tested. They get tested to, and they get placed. They get tested in place. So that was like one way that in in the beginning when I first started this, that was one way I was like, yay, I'm doing okay. <laughs> doing okay. <laughs> right. But I think what we've what we've evolved into now is is uh it, you 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 get to you get to um we design them ourselves. We design mm-hmm. them ourselves based off of the resources that we're using, which we use like uh I can't actually remember what the store is called, but it's a store that teach that where they sell um, things for teachers. So mm-hmm. you can walk right in there and get everything you need. The tests are already there. Everything is already mapped out for you because we don't do online. Online schooling is really popular right now and we don't do that. So I can't mm-hmm. speak to that at all because I don't right. know anything about that. But so we go into, the, we utilize that store. It's very close to us. And we go and get everything that we need right there to be able to um, test to keep our kids online. But to be honest with you, I think I kind of, I move really slow cause I go really deep into these subjects. So mm-hmm. if my kids were to actually pop, I mean, I'm assuming right now, I, I can't say this is, but I think if my kids were to sit next to somebody else in their same grade, I think my child, my kids might be a little slower behind them in some ways academically because we're not, I'm not a heavy academic, academic focused Mm-hmm. necessarily but they know but their that their skills and their logic and their life skills are like off the charts right and their critical thinking and all of that right. off the charts so it creates this really wonderful balance yeah of course and hearing that you don't have to do online to get them where they need to be is kind of very important right now because i think everyone only is hearing about online options mm. yeah mm-hmm. so um Weird question you don't have to answer because it is mildly personal to your 16-year-old. Is she planning on going to college? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw my kids hold like dreams of college for sure. All of them. Awesome. Yeah. They all talk about that someday. It depends. Like, I, I don't know. They're, they have they have like their plan A's and their plan B's. and <laughs> But like they should, like any um, well-rounded person should have. Plan mm-hmm. A's and Plan B's and oh, yeah. C D E F. <laughs> yeah, she she may even be an interesting one to have on your show with all the work that she's doing for the community. With she runs mm-hmm. a teen temple and she does monarchy ceremonies and she runs a red tent for teens and she's very like she's very involved and engaged in this life and <laughs> right. She yeah, would probably be awesome. a great person to talk to too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that stuff. But I think they love it. I think they love it. Homeschooling. We, I love it as the mom doing it. You know? <laughs> and that's important. Uh, what would you tell parents who are starting to get frustrated with uh, um, homeschooling, um, how to handle their frustration? 
Oh, you know, crazily enough, I would tell them to hit Facebook. I would say hit Facebook, type in homeschool groups near me or however, you know, and just start looking around, start looking around because they're, they're popping up like crazy. And I would pop, I would also use the word search with the word co-op because that makes all the difference in the world when you're doing it with a lot of different people and it's community based. Mm-hmm. So that would be the advice that I would give. And I would say, don't give up and, and, um, find, find your tribe, find your tribe within yeah, I think a lot of um, our culture currently has dislocated us from large tribe or large communal groups. And being able to sit down and go, okay, I have a ton of friends who can do what? Um, or even being the one that says, I have X to offer. And being in that group has um, been beneficial for my journey, at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh what um so anybody who's interested in looking looking up kind of what what you do or kind of just wants to know uh, even about the even about the circus uh what online resources are they how are they able to find you we have a website it's called of the earth az of the earth az.com is our website we're all over the internet right now so our homeschool group is called um earth-based homeschool collective and i think it's pagan rewilding it, it, it's new-ish. It's new-ish. Um, this whole thing coming to the internet is kind of new for us because we're we're completely grassroots. We're completely word of mouth. So we're completely over here thriving and our online presence is like new. <laughs> it, it's, it's a new thing. I mean, yeah. It is for us, for sure, especially because we never included it in our homeschool. So a lot of people are like, well, just have your kids run your internet. Just have your kids do it. And we're like, oh, shit, we made that mistake. (laughs) We really steered away from that stuff. But now we're trying to embrace it because COVID and what's going on, you know, politically, Mm -hmm. it's like everybody's coming online. So we're trying to take the same steps. So that's how people could find us is the website. And then we have a page on Facebook and hit us up there and then we'll come into the back door. You know, we'll we'll come and talk to you on the back door and, and help everybody come and get involved who's interested to get involved. We have tons of resources here. We have a saltwater pool because we don't want people to uh, swim and the saltwater pool is connected. It has a whole theater, outdoor theater. And then we have an outdoor kitchen. So we're teaching cooking in the outdoor kitchen, which has a pizza oven. And we have um, alternative housing structures here. So we have straw bale and we have earth ships and we have yurts and um, we have the farming and the the animal husbandry and all the fruit trees. And then we also have um, uh, like, I don't know, probably 75 instruments that people can play. So the families and our classes are limited to a certain amount of students because we want to be able to really go deep with everyone. So mm-hmm. um, we have our garage band where everybody comes in, picks an instrument. We pick out songs. We teach everybody how to play. And then at the end of the semester, we do a huge gathering and performance for the families. And um, nice. yes, we have all those instruments. So it's we have a lot to offer and it's all kind of been because of our homeschool. Right. And last year, I know you had a, um, a retreat. Are you planning on hoping to do that again when it comes safe to do those? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll bring it all, you know, at the risk of death, we are still <laughs> gathering, you know, we're still right. gathering. So well, what we have right now is we're asking all of our families to make an agreement. We're all making an agreement that we're facing this COVID thing, this COVID situation, uh, with the same, um, the same protocols, the same protocols of mask wearing, the same protocols of glove wearing, the same protocols of where we go and where we don't go, the same mm-hmm. protocols of quarantine, if should we do go. And we're asking all of our families to adjust to that as we very, very painfully, slowly make steps towards getting everything online mm-hmm. as we're learning how to utilize these things like Zoom and all of this. So, mm-hmm. um, awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so you've had positive reactions to um, dealing with that. I'm, I assume the online stuff. 
or just getting those um, different changes and different protocols and for all the kids and all the parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's been really cool. Everybody's we're all, everybody's kind of on the same page. Even people who are like, I don't believe in it. And I think it's not real. Even that they are willing because what we're offering is so big and so dynamic. They're willing to make, to agree to the agreements because they Mm -hmm. want their children to be a part of it. They want to be a part of it. Who wouldn't want to be a part of it, really? Okay. <laughs> I don't even have kids, and I'm like, I want to go. Yay! <laughs> well, well, that, thank you. That, yeah. that, and I, I, I was just going to say that that's one of the big things, especially when it comes to comes to community. You know, there may be some disagreement, but coming together and actually saying, "Hey, we're not doing this just for us. This is for our future generations. This is for the people that we're living with." And I, I think it's a it's a huge thing, especially now to be able to come together as a community like that and make those decisions. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we have some pretty strict guidelines to you guys. I don't want to make it sound like it's all roses. Cause, um, <laughs> because, uh, uh, like it only takes one child. It only takes mm-hmm. one child who's, who's, psychological situation is beyond what we can break through but we don't have the resources or the skills or the time really to like be in service to all children. So there are Mm -hmm. times when families come in and they're too far away from the vision. They're too far. I mean, it's not, doesn't mean to say that they can't one day sit in that circle and be in that, be in, be in, in that understanding of cooperative Mm -hmm. and community but sometimes there's this curve and we're not what we are offering anyway is not it's not that it's like if children can't be present if our methods of 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 reaching children and creating establishing trust and self-confidence and and act we call it we call it activating the sacred family we call it you know, we can't get them activated. Then, you know, that uncomfortable and sad conversation comes into play where it's like, I'm really sorry. However, this isn't working out and we have to uh, you, try something different, have to yeah. try something different. And, and cause there's so many people right now trying mm-hmm. to um, get involved. Well, there's different children need different things. And sometimes what you're offering isn't going to be what that child needs to thrive. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then, yeah, and it might be uncomfortable and sad, but I, I think it's it's in the best interest that you guys are willing to have those conversations where, hey, we are not your fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we want to give everybody the opportunity to come in and try and see. You yeah, because so, you never know. Because you never know, and it's really powerful work. It's, it's a powerful approach to learning. It's a powerful approach to com- establishing community. So we want to give mm-hmm. everybody oh, yeah. the opportunity to step in and give it a try. And not being afraid of trying different things. I think one of the things that I've seen a lot with COVID um, and how parents are reacting is that they're really afraid to fail once because they're worried that that's going to set their kids back so far. Um, I think with regular school, we've forgotten that kids are resilient and you don't have to make it perfect. You don't have to have them ready to face the world at 18. Mm. (laughs) You can take extra time and do extra things things. Not every kid needs it. I don't think I was really ready for college when I started college. And I definitely was not ready for the real world until after. And now I'm ready to go back, but I definitely was not ready to go back when I first graduated. And it's all these, you need to take your own pace. And I think a lot of millennials are learning that and a lot of other um, generations are learning that, but it's been a hard curveball for everybody. Mm Is that it might be this one life we get to live, but there's time mm-hmm. and it's healthier to take it. Yeah. Yes. To all that you said. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your amazing journey and all that you've given. I will reach out to you again. We definitely want you to come back and give us some more. Uh, I would love to come back. Thank you guys so much for having me. And no, my yeah. pleasure. Was there any other resources or anything that you want to tell our listeners on how to get in touch with you that we haven't already touched? I don't think so. I, I don't okay. think so. You know, check out the Riley Rainbow Family Temple of Living. That's where we're. That's our home base in uh, South Phoenix, Arizona, and that's awesome. where we're offering all of our hands-on stuff. 
Nice. Thank you. Jera, where they can, can they find you? Uh, of course, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Haggard underscore Haggard underscore cosplay. And of course, my Twitter, which is at Jera Stone. Awesome. And you can find me at Autumn Wolf on Twitter, Autumn Wolf on Facebook, and our podcast you can find on Instagram at Peg and Pod. You can find us on Twitter, I believe, at Peg and Pod, and Facebook at Millennial Peg and Podcast. Um, we have a couple of Patreon thank yous. Woo! Thank New you Patreons. for supporting us. Yay! Tiffany, thank you for supporting us. Kristen, thank you. Ashley, thank you. Jen, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. If you don't know how to get on Patreon, um, you want to look it up on the website or on the interwebs and go patreon.com. We are Millennial Pagan Podcast. You can donate a dollar a month or $5 a month and $5 a month gets you those amazing mini souls. Yay! Woo! Where we talk about a little bit more of like a one-on-one educational type things and uh, a little bit more personal you sound you hear sound guy t a lot more um who's silent in our background right now and so thank you everyone um merry meet merry part and And merry Merry meet meet again. again